Hi, Royals fans. This is J.J. Piccolo. The University of Kansas Health System is the official health care provider of the Kansas City Royals. Get the major league care you deserve at kansashealthsystem.com slash royals. That's always um, a stress. You'd like to be able to tag all the guys and pay all the guys. And it's tough because the more you win, I mean, the more you got to pay players. And obviously, when you have this amount of success, you're, you're paying a lot of players a lot of money. And then it's equally as tough because you're drafting late. So there's challenges. Um, we'll go through them, and we'll always put our best foot forward. Certainly want to do what we can to try to keep both those players, and that's going to be our goal and intent. Uh, hopefully we're able to figure something out. Um, but every free agency is different, unique, and crazy. And so, But our, you know, it, we do have one tag, and I anticipate probably using it. Uh, to help us, but I think our goal is to try to get both those players done and then work down the rest of our roster. What up, Veach? We're going to talk to Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest live from the Combine in Indy, but Nate wanted me to play this clip from Missouri defensive lineman Darius Robinson, who uh, was at the podium and said that he likes to keep it simple, keep it violent, and keep it fast. Said he played at 305 as a D tackle in 2022, and then 285 as an edge in 2023. I've told you that I would love, I would love for the uh, for the Chiefs to draft him, but I do not believe he's going to be there because he is. Rocketing up uh, the charts after his performance at the Senior Bowl, and I think he's going to do very well in the interview process. Here's a, uh, just a short clip before we join Matt Derrick. A clip of uh, Mizzou defensive lineman Darius Robinson at the podium. And uh, I can run, I can hit, uh, I get my hands inside, um, I can do anything, man. Like just give me opportunity, put my cleats in the ground. I showed that at the Senior Bowl. I got better each and every day against the best competition in college football. I played in the SEC, which is the best conference in football. Um, and that's the thing. I don't want to talk about myself too much. Just cut the tape on and tell you. That's right. Do me a favor, go check the tape real quick and get back to me, Nate. Um, Let's, let's cut, check, that, let's cut the, check tape the tape on uh, Matt Derrick from Chiefs Digest. Matt, good morning. How are you? Uh, I was actually just getting ready to clip that exact video to to, to put out there. Ooh. So, um, yeah, you, you beat me to it. So, no. Um, yeah. Great I, minds, I, Matt. Great minds. I I always say that you know there's kind of a misnomer about the draft process. That, you know, because we talk about sleepers and all these things, don't really exist. Because for the most part, you know. Teams got their draft board set. They know these players inside and out. What they don't really know are, you know, the the measurables. They want to confirm that. They they want to either confirm or, you know, eliminate the, the unknowns. And they want to just either increase or decrease their confidence. So, I mean, Darius Robinson was going to be kind of in that. He was in that late first, early second kind of category. I think he was always going to be there. The draft process is about the same whether this guy is 100% a guy you take in the first round, he's a, you know 75% in the second, whatever it may be. I don't see how any team is going to be able to talk to Darius Robinson, and I think he's going to back this up on the field, too, with his drills and, and his workouts. I don't see how anybody's going to be able to talk to this kid and not say there's 100% that you need to take him in the first round. 
Uh, okay, not not saying he's top ten, not top fifteen. That's not necessarily where he'll go. But yeah, I mean that's where I can't imagine he's going to be at thirty two because some team is going to scoop him up. Yeah, and he's so versatile on the defensive line uh, as well. Great attitude, and he's going to knock it out of the park in the interview process. And so, I think he's definitely going to be a first round guy. Uh, there's a lot a lot to talk about when it comes to the Chiefs. I know you're down there at the combine and. and Take a look at draft prospects, but all of the talk right now is about Legereus Sneed and about Chris Jones. And so uh, you give me your perspective on everything that was said by Brett Veach and Andy Reid about Legereus Sneed, what was tweeted by Jeremy Fowler, all the things being leaked out. Where are we right now with Legereus Sneed and what do you expect to happen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty savvy move by, by Beach in the front office as far as – because what they're what they're basically doing in this process by saying, hey, we're going to tag Legereus, haven't tagged him yet. So, you know, you just kind of created that impression, but you've opened it up. You've kind of let every team know, hey, we're we're open for business here. I mean, you know, if, if Legereus wants to play for you and to work at a deal, everybody knows it now. But, you know, you're also not waiting until March 11th when the negotiation window closes and after the franchise tag deadline to get things rolling. I mean, basically what Veach did yesterday with this, and let's just let's put it on Veach. It could be, you know, Legereus' agent, but whomever it is. But what they've basically done is open up the negotiation window now because now teams know that, hey, it's permissible. They can reach out to the Chiefs about saying, hey, we want to talk to Legereus about a deal and an extension. You're basically just creating a two-week-long window for you, one week without the tag, one week maybe after the tag. But now, you know, there are so many possible outcomes. A team could certainly absolutely come to the Chiefs now and say, hey, we're willing to give Legereus $20 million for, for guaranteed three years. And Legereus can take it. And now you've got the franchise tag you could use on Chris Jones if you wanted to. Um, you know, Legereus can go out and get an offer. And if he doesn't, you know, if it's an offer that the Chiefs feel like they can match, maybe they can keep him without using the franchise tag. There's just a ton of options that this creates for them. So I, I think it's a pretty smart move. I, at the same time, I do think if you read between the lines, it's telling you that the Chiefs and Legereus maybe aren't that close on a number, and that's why they're willing to let him shop for his own deal. It's very, you know, Tyreek kind of like. I don't think it's going to come with the speed that that happened because I think the Chiefs, you know, with Tyreek, they reached a point where it was just they they knew that they could no longer keep him, and now it was just about letting him go get his his own deal. With Legereus, I think there's still a chance they could keep him. I'm just not sure they're on the same page number to wise right now. Okay, so the. The Chiefs also got a haul for Tyreek Hill, and I'm seeing you know reports that uh, the Chiefs would want at least a second-round pick for LeJarrius Sneed. And I'm thinking to myself, this is one of the best five corners in all of, of football. He's good at everything. I mean, like, he's good at man coverage. He can blitz. He can tackle. He plays the run. He can, he can defend just about anybody. Why wouldn't his value be through the roof on the trade market? There's a couple of reasons, I mean, to me. Uh, you know, one is certainly age. You know, you look at at the big free agent deals that went out to, you know, corners who are in their, you know, first year of free agency, and you look at the the biggest deals around the league, and all of them went to basically 24 and 25-year-olds. Denzel Ward, biggest deal for a corner on the market, it's like $72 million guaranteed, four years. You know, that was, he was 24 when he made that deal. Well, Jerry's is 27, so it's a different ballpark. 
And then when you start thinking about compensation, you know, a year ago, the Rams sent Jalen Ramsey to the Dolphins, a 28-year-old Jalen Ramsey at the time, for a third. And there's, I mean, a lot of people in the league, I think a majority of people around the league would have said, uh, you know, a 28-year-old Jalen Ramsey was better than a 27-year-old Jerry Sneed. I don't agree with that. I mean, but I think that a majority of the league, if you surveyed them, probably would say that. Because I think Legere is still really underrated. So, and that's kind of the going rate. I mean, you know, uh, Bradley Roby kind of went for the same deal a couple of years ago. He went for, I think, a third and a sixth. Um, the reality of the market for what you can get for a corner at Legere's' age, a second would be great. A second and an extra another pick would be fantastic mm-hmm. to me. No, you jump all over that. A second and an additional pick. Okay, let, let, let's let's move on to Chris Jones because it feels like the momentum is moving towards the Chiefs retaining Chris Jones and tagging and trading Legereus Need. Do you agree with that? I mean, of all the possible outcomes, and that's the thing, I don't think there's a majority outcome because there's always the hey, there's a slim chance that the, the Chiefs retain. Need and, and lose Chris Jones. There's a chance. I mean, honestly, there's a chance that things break down and they lose both of them. Um, there's a chance that things go really well and they keep them both. So there's no scenario that I would say like right now that I think is 50 percent that's just most likely to happen. I, I think there's just a, a handful that are possible. And to me, I, I would say the plurality of the outcomes to me would probably be yes. The Chiefs, I think, can keep Chris and probably would lose Legarius. Uh, because I, I think right now, at least, the, my indication, my gut is telling me from what I'm, I'm hearing that the Chiefs are probably closer to being on the same page with the Jones than they are with Snead. What do you What do you think it would? Uh, what, what are we looking at as far? What would it take, in your opinion, for the Chiefs to retain Chris Jones? That's I mean that's a magic question right there because I I just. It, it all just depends on what Chris wants, really. I mean, if he still wants what he wanted last summer, or at least we were led to believe that he wanted last summer, which was to be paid like Aaron Donald and be $30 million plus, I still don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if it would happen outside of Kansas City. I mean, I, I think that that's just – I'm not sure that's where the market is for him at this point. I mean, I could be wrong, but – and I, I, I also kind of get the sense that Chris actually wants to stay in Kansas City. Uh, obviously, if you hold him to what he said to the parade, which I don't think you can, but let's say you wanted to. <laughs> Does he know what he said at the parade? Or? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> Does he remember? What, I mean, he looked like he was getting ready to sign a three-year deal right there. Right. So, um, I mean, I, that's the thing. I mean, you know, guys can always change their minds, you know, and and I will I'll say this. I mean, I think if Chris is more involved with negotiations this time around than he was last year, then I think a deal for Chris is much, much more likely than it was last year. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's real thrilled with the advice he got from his agent last year. Why not? I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be thrilled either because it didn't work out the way you wanted. <laughs> right. But your mileage may vary, Nate. Matt Derrick is on the line. <clears throat> so, Matt, all right, Legereus Need, Chris Jones, you're down there looking to draft uh, prospects. Uh, and, and, you know, doesn't matter what happens with those two defensive players and, and the rest of the free agents. Most people still will agree that the Chiefs are going to be in the market for a wide receiver or, or or at least a couple. I would like to see them 
sign some type of free agent and then also add a wide receiver in the first or second round. And I think that's reasonable. But I, I, just, I don't know if it's feasible. You know, people keep talking about Mike Evans and some of the top shelf guys. But I think there's some names out there that make sense. I think and it's, it's not going to wow anyone. But you have to look at where they're coming from and who they were catching passes from and what they might do in this offense. Uh, one name that pops up in my mind a lot is, is Darnell Mooney. I think he'd be a good fit. I had a feeling you were going there. I had a feeling. Well, and, uh, he had, and two years ago, he had an absolutely fantastic year under, guess who, Matt Nagy. Well. So, yeah, I, think, I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense. And you're right, his numbers have been down the last couple of years with maybe out having Matt Nagy around and with not having a, you know, a, a, a quarterback like Mahomes who can elevate him. Yeah, I mean, and I think you're right, Stephen. I mean, that's the kind of category I think that Chiefs fans should probably brace themselves for because I think that's a lot more reasonable to expect, especially with where the Chiefs are money-wise. And honestly, I mean, that's the, the other downside to the – or at least the downside to the Chiefs from the salary cap increase that you got this year. You're saying to yourself, hey, great, you got more money for maybe even the luxurious need and Chris Jones. Well, now every team in the league's got more money than they were expecting, and some of these receivers might just go for obscene amount of money. I mean, if you're the Chiefs, you want like a nineteen million dollar Christian Kirk kind of deal? Uh, no, I don't think you do. And do you want to pay twenty four million dollars a year for Mike Evans? Uh, not not no. this Mike Evans. I mean, twenty six year old Mike Evans maybe, but not not the one you're getting now. There, there, there you go. I, I don't see them giving money. To a 29, 30, 31, 32 year old. Darnell Mooney is 26. Now, another guy who I think would be very interesting and could be and could put up some numbers, and we've seen, we've been on the other end of this, Gabe Davis, I think would be very interesting. He's 25 years old, and just the idea of him coming from Buffalo and going to Kansas City. Uh, would be uh, it would tickle me, but uh, is, is that is he in that category, or do you think he's he's he'd be too far of a stretch as far as what he'll get on the open market? I think Stephen, you and I are drinking the same Kool Aid because, because because that's 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 my number one guy, and it's not like the number one guy that I would pay the most money to. But just the guy that I think would be a really good fit. And, yes. You know, my my my, my partner in crime, Nick Jacobs, is, is re- reminding me to just say, hey, remember, you know, most of his big games came against the Chiefs, so maybe that's why I'm I'm valuing him so much. And it, you know, it's actually the exact opposite of what we were talking about with with Mooney. You know, Davis is putting up great numbers with a great great quarterback. You know, you can't necessarily expect that he's going to be better with Mahomes. Um, than he was with Allen, could be worse. I mean, you know, we've seen that go that way, too. Um, but I, I don't think that Gabe Davis would be a guy that would break the bank. I mean, I think he would be a reasonable amount of money, so I don't think he'd be paying a lot. I think he's got a skill set that the Chiefs do need. It would complement some of the guys that they've got. And then, like you said, I mean, you're going to circle back in the draft, too. And this is a really deep wide receiver draft. I don't think you're going to have to, you know, necessarily get a receiver at 32 in the first round to get a good player. You saw last year in Rasheed Rice. You can get a good receiver in the second round. And it might even be easier this year because everybody seems to think this is a deeper receiver group. And, and, and like I said, this, it's not going to be some wow factor that's going to, uh, you know, 
have, pe- have, have people talking about a marquee name, but if you were to give me Darnell Mooney or Gabe Davis plus a second round pick that they spend on, on, on in a deep wide receiver class, I'd be thrilled with that. And then spend that first round pick either replacing Jones or Snead, whoever you lose, or a, a, a young left tackle that they love, or whatever, whatever they whatever they want. Um, and so let, let's talk draft now. You're you're down there sniffing around the combine and checking out these prospects of. I've already attempted to talk into existence several Mizzou prospects and Mizzou uniforms. Uh, anything you're looking at specifically? Any names that you're hearing a lot of buzz about uh, in association with the Chiefs? Anything, anyone that you like that you want to put out there? Uh, just give us your thoughts on uh, some draft prospects. Yeah, I won't try to set the world ablaze on a, a Darius Robinson any more than it already is. Right. Um, <laughs> Perfect pick. I agree. I take him at thirty-two. Frankly, I trade up for him, but well. you know, uh, I, I, I may have black and gold colored glasses on that one, but I'm, I'm not. I don't think so. I think he's going to be a he's going to be a player. And told us today, you know, two favorite players in the league that likes to watch are Max Crosby and Chris Jones. So. There you go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, funny. I you know I had had some people ask me about uh, the Chiefs might have an interest in like a Jeremiah Trotter Jr. if he fits into the second round. And uh, I mean, I think you know I think it's getting asked because of the Andy Reid connection in Philadelphia. Even though I think that the previous administration drafted him, but you know Andy Reid's team kind of made him a star. Um, I think maybe that's the connection there. But you know he's a middle linebacker, so I don't know if you really would because you got Nick Bolton. Uh, so unless he, that's somebody you thought you could pair with him and put on the outside, I mean, I think he's good enough to do it, but I'm just not sure if that's the perfect fit. Um, you know, when we talked to Brad Veach yesterday off the podium, you know, he mentioned some places where they want to add some depth and where they want to add competition. And uh, defensive line, obviously, is a place where they want to add a, a lot of depth. I mean, they'll need that probably in the free agency and the draft. Um, competition is what he mentioned with left tackle, which um, I think was interesting for him to frame it that way because, you know, when you competition, you know, it's not necessarily saying it's a top need. It's just that you're looking for depth there. So what, what do you take that to mean? I mean, I took that, especially, you know, he talked about Wanya Morris and the concept that, you know, hey, it was good that he managed to get his feet wet. There was some good and there was some bad on tape. Uh, I think they definitely is, hey, if Wanya is going to be a left tackle, I think they're, he's saying that they'd like to have somebody there to push him. So it's just not handed to him. Um, that could mean, you know, a draft pick. I think it could absolutely mean a, a veteran swing tackle type. Um, you know, that's, I mean, you remember Donovan Smith didn't sign with the Chiefs last year until after the draft in May. So uh, maybe that'll be the, the time frame where they, they look for somebody. It's just the depth piece that they're looking, somebody that can, like I said, I mean, could play left tackle if you need him, but maybe can push Wanye. Uh, I get no inclination that there's any consideration about moving Juwan uh, Taylor. There'd probably be a little bit more consideration for moving Joe Tooney, but um, with him probably not being able to be on the field until training camp because of the pectoral injury, um, I don't think that's super likely. So, I mean, it's probably up in the air. You know, hey, Brett Veach has got in his mind who he thinks is going to be the left tackle this year. He's not telling us yet. I'm not 100% sold that it's Wanya Morris, but I'm not sold that it's, it would be like their first round or second round pick either. Do you get a feel for as far as the other free agents, who's a priority? I think we've we've pretty much assumed that Willie Gay is going to be gone, considering he's tweeted that uh, more than once. <laughs> um, 
I, I, I still keep going back to the versatility and the value of Jude Tranquil. I would love to see him be a priority. If, you know, if it, if it makes sense, Mike Edwards would be a great guy uh, to bring back. Do you do you have a feel for who they feel like is at the top of the list as far as that? You know, you know, below Snead and Jones, that that next group of free agents who's most likely to to return. Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I do think that Brad Beach is trying to play his cards a little close to the vest here just to make sure that, hey, if there's somebody that they really want to make sure they keep, they're not driving the value up uh, artificially. Because um, I think everybody, you know, sees it. Yeah, that means Drew Trenkle, the guy that definitely want to keep because the impression is that, yes, Willie Gay is going to take the biggest offer that's out there. And chances are that's not from the Chiefs. So he's probably going to get get a better deal elsewhere. Um, then everybody else that kind of fits in that category, I think Mike Edwards would be in this, you know, even even like a Nick Allegretti who will, you know, be back from injury later this summer. Um, and, and that's where I think Chiefs fans probably also need to be kind of braced for because, I mean, all the indications I'm getting from Indy here, you know, both inside and outside the organization, that the Chiefs aren't expected to be huge players in free agency that they're probably not going to make a big splash in the first 24, 48 hours. Um, maybe, maybe the Chiefs and Brett Reach are playing possum, but it, it sounds like, hey, their top priorities are their top, top maybe two or three guys, which I think Steve Jones would be amongst them. Uh, Drew Triangle would probably be your third, I think, in circles, being a guy you really want to try and keep. Um, but, you know, with us, Brett was really even talking about how, with, for his process, that you're going to go – um, through the you know, you're going to go through free agency, then you'll go through the draft, and then you'll see where you're at. And I think that's where you could end up seeing the Chiefs, you know, picking up a lot of guys, whether it's from last year's roster or even new finds. The you know this year's Drew Tranquil or this year's Mike Edwards that you're looking at in the late waves of free agency in May. What's your what's your schedule of events today, Matt? Um, we've got the, the defensive line and linebackers who are doing interviews today. And, uh, that's going on this morning. I'm going to finish up with those and uh, got a, a story or two to bang out. And then I'm going to be on my way back home to Kansas City through the cold and rain and whatever else there is. Bang out those stories and get back to uh, wintry, icy Kansas City, Matt. We'll look forward to seeing you soon. Can't wait, guys. Take, take care. That's Matt Derrick, ChiefsDigest.com. Excellent job in Indianapolis covering the Combine. And that's, boy, that uh, all hell was breaking loose yesterday and had nothing to do with draft prospects. You're hearing so much about Legereus Sneed and Chris Jones. The other big story to monitor that I'm fascinated with is the Bears and Justin Fields, and they're going to trade him. And are they, yeah. they might they going to trade him today. And it's it, it just feels like the two likely destinations – that make the most sense are Pittsburgh and Atlanta. And selfishly, I'd like to see him go to Atlanta because I don't know if you saw that. Do you see who the offensive coordinator now is? Pittsburgh, Arthur Smith. That oh, yeah. you know. So I, I don't, I don't quite understand that one. But you know, I've, I've seen him misuse enough uh, highly talented <laughs> offensive weapons. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, you know, for Justin Fields, I hope he doesn't. But I, I would like to see. Because um, I do think Raheem Morris has a chance to to stick and be a good head coach this time around. And if they don't trade Pitts, I would like to see an offense that, that doesn't pull the reins back that would feature Justin Fields, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. That that would that would be fun. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm not I, saying I don't that they, think they're getting rid of Pitts. They cut Johnny Smith yesterday. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I take a look at him. Right. No, I'm, I think that right. that is kind of a. When I saw that yesterday, I thought, well, but not cut, get rid of both their tight ends. I, and I'm not saying they'd be contenders or what. Them, you know, Exciting. That would be fun to. I'd I mean, like to watch that. Isn't that division wide open though? Too. Yes. I mean, just I mean, who's good in that division? Going, you know, and people say, "Oh, Justin Fields." What they've had over the past couple of years. Yeah. Just to have him and have him. And, and the dramatic, there'd be a that's a pretty nice upgrade of offensive weapons. Um, that that would, just as an NFL fan, that would be fun to watch. I'd like to see that. Yeah, you know, I think the Bears are making a bad move. Oh, you don't like uh, I don't Caleb? Like it. I do not. Why not? I don't either. Why don't you? I think, yeah, the head well, on the shoulder. Say something. The okay. Head on the yeah. shoulder. I think he's. I think he's a head case. There you go. I bet you he might think you're a head case. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> right. so, just trying to be fair, right? I don't know if head case is too strong, but I, I don't. I don't like the fact that this is a guy that here's a guy. He he seems to want all the good things to come with the spotlight, right? Why not? He wants ownership stake in a team. He, he wants all this stuff, <laughs> but when his team loses a game, he won't stand in front of the he podium. Won't, he won't stand up there and and, and answer questions. Quarterbacks don't get to do that, like the wide receiver room for the Chiefs that would disappear after games during the regular season, you know. Patrick Mahomes has to go up there and talk. Win or lose, he's got to put all the blame on his shoulders. He's got to answer he, the questions. You'd like you to know? see the head coach and the and the and, and the the team make him, you know. I wonder how many college kids would, you know, wouldn't do what they have to do. Yeah, but that college kid, you're, you're about to put your entire right. franchise's hopes on his shoulders. I mean, if I... You need somebody that's 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 different than the average college kid, right? Like Patrick Mahomes is not your typical college kid. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, you're ask a quarterback runs the team. You're not asking for a guy that's just a great athlete to go be a knucklehead for a while and grow up on the so you job. Keep fields. Or would you trade Fields and, and draft another quarterback? Oh, I don't. I'm, I'm with, I, maybe Williams will prove us both completely wrong because we know he's got all the physical ability to right. do those other things. But to me, man, the thing that separates quarterbacks at the NFL level is what are they willing to give for the job? I'm you not know, crazy what their mentality about Fields, is. but I I think that you could build around him. Like I think you go get a Marvin Harrison Jr. You trade all that pick, or you know. I think that Shields or Fields has at least shown a little bit of that, that he can handle some adversity because boy, he's had some since he's been in Chicago. I think he's come around. I mean, yeah, you got two top ten picks. Yeah, to do with what you want. I would trade out of that. I know Washington loves him and he's from that area. Here you go, Commanders. Good luck. Who <laughs> Fields? No, no, no. Uh, oh, Caleb Williams. Because yeah, Fields is like from Atlanta, so that no, no, yeah. I know he wants to go. Caleb Williams. I can understand trading him if you're the Bears, like thinking like. But you man, have to wonder you know? how, how much Fields wants to be in Chicago, right? Right. I you know. I'm sure he wants out of there. Wouldn't you like to go to Atlanta? That's your home, and yeah. yeah. Let me go here, please. With some weapons down there, and not he, to worry he, about the weather, and just to be fair to him, he's he was he inherited or he got thrust into a terrible situation. No thrust. offensive line. Who are the skill position players he's had to, to deliver the ball to? You know, I mean, it's just it's been a bad setup in Chicago since he's been there. Maybe a fresh start could be good for him. Well, that's why I said that that's one of the most fascinating things happening right now at the combine. Heck yeah! What are the Bears going to do? They're going to they're going to trade Fields and draft Williams. And maybe it'll work out for him. We'll it see. Won't. And then who else? It won't. Who else is going to trade up and get a uh, try to get a quarterback? 
And what is what is Russell Wilson going to do? There's all ooh, there's all these, <laughs> you know. He but he did but he did say wherever he goes, he's looking to win two Super Bowls in the next five years. So well, that's hey, good. You know, set your goals high. Yeah, I had no idea he was going to come and be the backup for Patrick Mahomes, but that's because <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way he's doing that. We we'll back after this on WHB. Welcome back to the Border Patrol on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. We've had this next gentleman on the show many times to talk college basketball. Played at Michigan State. Has uh, been a uh, analyst on TV. And says he has some dirt on Nate Ducati, so that always opens the door to the Border Patrol. Please welcome uh, Damon Bethea, who joins us now. What's up, man? How are you? What's up? What's up? What's up, Double S J? How you doing? Where my man Nate at? He's right here. Let's let's get to that dirt. What do you got? Oh, hey Nate, is it true you played high school basketball with Eric Sam? Is this true? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is this true? I didn't yeah. even know. Hey man, I, I took Eric to school a few times. To be honest with you. Wow. He, 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 <laughs> Eric, Eric Stamps is a legendary figure in the Bishop Ward uh, community for sure. Yes, sir. So did you carry him? Uh, did you carry him? Babe? You know what I actually specifically remember? I think Eric, I think he was, I can't remember if he was a year or two older than me. I was playing uh, JV and he was playing varsity. And I ran my mouth after stealing the ball from him one time in practice, and he about whooped my ass. <laughs> so he got mad. He didn't get mad. He got mad. Dude, he's usually the most easygoing guy in the world, too. His dad ran security for the Kansas City Royals and oh, yeah. other kind of stuff forever and ever. I mean, Eric is like uh, one of the all-time good dudes. And so I realized, like, that was one of those moments. I still haven't completely learned the lesson, but that my mouth could get me in trouble. <laughs> Eric is a great dude, man. I love that guy. The why I asked Nate is because, you know, Eric goes to China, has been to China with me about 10 times. Oh, wow. And, we, and I just found out that he was there. I, and we went to the same school together, and yeah. I just fell out laughing. Yeah. I was like, boy, small world. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. Eric Stamps, good dude. Yeah, we played basketball together in high school. That's for sure. I, 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 I was worried what you were about to say. I was like, where's he going with this? <laughs> yeah, man, tell him I said what's up. I will tell him what's up, man. I will tell him what's up. That is for sure, boy. But uh, <laughs> that is hilarious. All right, let's get back to the show, fellas. <laughs> so, so, so Jake tells us you're up in Chicago going through some training. Tell us a little bit about that. Just going through, um, looking to go back into college basketball right now, and we put together some things that um, we think that uh, it's at need for you know college basketball, especially at the Division One level. And um, just right now, out there looking uh, for the for the best type of partnership that uh, can happen from you know from coaching to uh, putting together with the NIL to putting together what's what's going on in recruiting and even the coaching staff. So you know how. The way of college basketball now is that you don't go one broadcast without hearing about NIL and, and recruiting, and, and that's the new – it's going to be the new way. Um, and, you know, those that uh, get 
get on that way at, at this time are, are going to benefit because if you try to do it five years down the line, um, you're going to be you're going to be behind the eight ball by then. And see that that that's an interesting question because as someone who used to be a, a, a assistant coach in college basketball, when you look at the landscape now with the the wide open transfer portal with NIL and how it's effective recruiting. Does, does that make – because some coaches, some old school coaches, don't want to deal with it. And I think that's we've seen, we've seen a lot of big names step down and just decide, oh, you know what, this ain't for me. While there's some other coaches who are forward thinking they embrace it and they're going to do very well dealing with this, uh, this new atmosphere in college basketball. When you look at it, did, I mean, does that excite you? Like, how do you feel about college basketball and what it is now with the transfer portal and NIL? I feel excited about it because of all my past experiences helped to uh, enhance my position to going in. You know, obviously the business acumen um, that we have, the coaching acumen, um, as well as the, the experience from all around the world. And also, you know, I deal with students. I've dealt with student athletes or former student athletes for the last 20 years, either they're at the college level or they're professional. So for someone like me to see it like that and know that you can intertwine the business world into, you know, college athletics because there's not much to sell in college athletics. You can sell signage. You can sell suites in the arena. Sometimes, it, you know, you can, you can sell a little bit uh, inside the facility, but that's pretty much it. But now with NIL, you can sell a lot of different things and bring a lot of different uh, businesses and uh, marketing to the fold, and you can do it through the student. You can do it through the student athletes. Um, so um, having that type of history, it makes uh, it makes life for me going into college basketball a lot a lot easier. Okay, so this is this is kind of a loaded question, but uh, it, it's a perfect time to discuss it because so, so last night Kansas loses at home to BYU. And a big part of it is because some, you know, lost some scholarships. They had some guys leave before the season, so they're just not very deep. And also, Kevin McCullough's been hurt, and so that and he's and he's a great player, and so that could explain a lot of it. But we also are seeing, like, say for instance, the Big Twelve. Houston is probably going to win it. Iowa State's right behind them, but it looks like it's wide open. And even in college football, what the hope is for a lot of schools is the transfer portal in the NIL is going to even the playing field. Because we know there have been, there've been schools out there, both in college football and college basketball, they paid players. Now everyone gets to pay players. And so do, do, you, do you think this evens out the playing field a little bit so maybe we won't see blue bloods dominate the sport the way we have in the past and this this levels the playing field what what type of impact do you think this has just on uh maybe the, the opportunity to have more more parity in in college basketball well i think the blue bloods are still going to be blue bloods because they have access and they have they're always going to have you know the deeper pockets but i think that from you know recruiting and the fact that you can get, you know, some of the kids to stay, and well, obviously they're young, they're young adults. Get some of the young adults to stay 
uh, put in some of the places. So you see a mid-major. You see a Florida Atlantic get to the Final Four. You see a San Diego State get to the Final Four last year because more of those units are more cohesive. They, they've had guys there for a number of years. Now, from the, from the big boys or the blue blood standpoint, guys can come and go but it's all still going to be about cohesiveness and you know, being able to do that. BYU, that's an old group. We know, we already know that BYU is an older team, so by, you know, missions and all of that. But college basketball as a whole, you will see that this transfer, you know, the one-time transfer portal, you will see, you know, it's almost like free agency. So it's the best, whoever's going to be the best at putting the pieces together to put a good unit out there is going to be key. And I'm not just talking about a starting five. I'm talking about getting those those pieces that can be added to it, you know, the sixth and seventh man as well. So you, you mentioned the cohesiveness of BYU. Our buddy Jared Sutton texted me. He was at the game last night, and he said, you know, BYU could be the type of team that causes problems in the tournament because if they're hitting their threes like they did last night, they can knock anybody off. But that made me think, what is this Kansas team as a tournament team? I, first of all, I feel like if they don't get McCuller back, which it sounds like that's up in the air, I, I don't I don't have much expectations for them at all. But let's say they they get McCuller back. What, what kind of a tournament team can they be? Because they seem like they can beat anybody, but they can lose to a lot of people too. Yeah, I think that's, that's college basketball in itself. But, you know, what McCuller, he's, he's just like what Jalen Wilson was to the team. He's at that, you know, that small forward position in Coach Self's offense. It's a very key role, just like, you know, Wiggins was, um, you know, just like, you know, some of the other, you know, greats that have been on the wing at KU. Uh, it's a very important piece in their offense uh, because they, they do so much on the high-low. People are trying to, uh, you know, people are trying to defend that high-low offense. But uh, him, especially with McCullough with his defensive presence, it's it leaves a big void into what they're trying to do as a whole, not only collectively as a team, uh, but but as also as a team on the floor, but off the floor too, because he's, he he brings a lot of leadership to the table. So I know you're a Big Ten guy, uh, for, former Michigan State star. Uh, what, what do you think of Purdue? What do you think of the Big Ten as an overall conference this year, and how dangerous th- some of those teams are at the top? Well, that, that's just, it's just chaos in, in the Big Ten. You never know what's going to happen. Ohio State loses. Uh, they, they lose Chris Holtzman at, uh, at, the, at the helm, and then they go and they beat Purdue and they beat Michigan State. And they are, you know, they're they're in the bottom. They've been in the bottom tier of the Big Ten most of the season. Um, you, you have a bizarre situation where Wisconsin got out of the gates fast. And then they lose at Indiana last night. I mean, minus the fire alarm, uh, but they they lose there. Uh, Michigan State has been uh, is, has been up and down this year. They lose two back-to-back home games against Iowa and Ohio State, both subpar teams that probably we should have beat by ten points easy. But uh, but you have to play them. And at this juncture, at this juncture of the season, it's about focus. It's about it's about you know paying attention to detail. Uh, especially in the shoot around and being ready to play and being ready to play for 40 minutes. All right. What about uh, what about your squad, Michigan State? How, how much longer do you think Tom Izzo is going to be uh, the head coach up there? Oh, I think you know, coach is going 
coach until he feels tired, um, until he feels like he doesn't have 100% to give. Uh, I, I think he's still going to be around for another four or five years. Um, he, he always said he didn't want to be like Coach uh, Heathcote, but he's been there longer than Coach Heathcote now. <laughs> I, and I want you to be honest with me. How did you uh, how did how did you accept or have you accepted Michigan winning a national championship in football? How did that how did that go over for you? That has an asterisk by it. It's to, it's to be determined. You know, they did a lot of spying. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> uh, can't take away from the kids on the field and and what they did and how they performed. That that, that was uh, that was good for those those kids, but. As a school, yes, I've seen Shadia since then, and right. you know he's all happy. He was real happy about basketball season when the season started too. But they're they're nine and twenty right now, so we're not going to talk about that. But football wise, um, you know, hats off. That was a, a Big Ten school that was able to pull it off. But we got an asterisk by that one, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so you, you 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 don't want to take it away from the kids, but you will take it away from Jeff Shadia, right? Oh, yeah, I'll take it away from Jeff Jadia and, and Jim Harbaugh, both of them. All right. <laughs> All right, done deal. Hey, man, hey, always good uh, catching up with you when you get are you gonna, when you get back to Kansas City. Uh, I'll be back later today. And, okay. Uh, I'll be around, and uh, hopefully we can uh, – we can uh, we can shoot shoot the uh, shoot the maps uh, you know weekly and uh, talk college hoops. Get, get you in here. We could break yeah. down some March Madness. Help people with their brackets. Oh yeah, you know I help you with your brackets, but yep. don't look at my bracket because you know what team goes all the way through. Right. Well, <laughs> I'll have Missouri winning the first round game, and no. they haven't won a conference game, so no you tell my bracket will suck. Hey, uh, tell Eric I said what's up, man. Huh? Is that in the CBI? It's in something. Are they playing in the CBI? I don't think they're not eligible for anything. Uh, hey, hey, thanks for the time, man. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. I appreciate you, fellas. Have a great day. Hey, keep Eric Stamps in line, too, all right? I got you. I got you. I got you, Nate. That's uh, Damon Bethea, uh, who joins us uh, from time to time. Good to catch up with him. Um, Tucker Franklin is up at uh, the Combine reporting that uh, Darius Robinson, I know, Nate, you were asking about this, uh, was at the podium and and just said that Andy Reid, Steve Spagnuolo, and Joe Cullen are the GOATs, and he would love to stay in the state of Missouri because it's his second home. And he said he has already met with the Chiefs. So, I mean... That's what you were asking about. Was I? You were thinking about I it. Was th- you could tell. You knew I was thinking about it. You can't have enough defensive linemen. Well, there's only so many you can keep on a roster. I mean, they have roster limitations. That's still not enough. <laughs> Even if you're, you're roster max, it's not enough defensive linemen. You can't have enough. You won't. You'll never have enough, as far as I'm concerned. Back after this on WHB. Welcome back to the show. Oh, next time we're going to talk to Scott Sharp from the Royals. Ooh. So excited about that. Oh, yeah. Baseball talk. Let's go. I'm a man with no league right now, but that's fine. First time in... How old am I? I'm 51. So, sorry. Oh, terrible math. First time in 35 years. No fantasy league. I've been invited to a couple, but I just, you know, I picked the right one. It makes me sad, though. I want Michael Garcia. 
I had him on my freeze list. No, lost him. That's fine. Talk to Scott Sharp about that. And see if he's got a league I can get in. He thinks, I, I doubt he does, but I don't know. How do you know? Well, he's kind of in his own own league, right? The American League. That's right. Maybe they can invite me in. I can go over my freeze list and she'll want to think about some other. <laughs> yeah, some, I think so. Other American League talent. I actually think the people in the Royal Sport Office are very impressed at your knowledge of prospects. I don't. So, if I could actually do it, I'd like to set X or set Twitter on fire today. Would you? Yeah. A lot of good stuff happening on there. Is there? Usually. Uh, A lot of porn bots following you all of a sudden. I'm going to tell you, uh, Jake, stay away from the documents and the lawsuit that's been filed against Sean P. Diddy Combs. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, he's a bad dude. Stay away from... I just made the mistake of reading some of it. I don't need to read it. I know that guy's not good. Stay away from it. Not good. All right. Bad dude. Well, there's a, there's a lot, but it's just not. There's a lot of people. A lot of men, names. That are, a lot of names that have been redacted. <laughs> a lot of people. A couple of people just being called rapper and R and B. People are speculating. I just, I'm not getting into it. Here, you know what? Here, let me tell you something. Much of the chagrin of some people out there that I don't care about. Uh, I got something non-sports to get off my chest. Just something just 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 okay. struck me last night. So don't ask me why, but one of the movies that whenever it's on, I watch because I like the soundtrack because I'm a song and dance man at heart. I love the movie Dream Girls. Okay? Both of you give me funny look. It's fine. All right? Jamie Foxx was terrific in it. Beyonce was terrific in it. Jennifer Hudson? Yes. Yeah, that, yeah, I've seen that. Jennifer Hudson. Just fantastic. She was fantastic. Uh, yeah. fanta- she was great. But... Every time I watch Dreamgirls, it infuriates me that Eddie Murphy didn't win Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor for his portrayal of Jimmy Early. It, it, he was nominated, and you know, I get all wrapped up in this style of the movies. Yeah. Like I get mad if my team loses. I get mad if people that right. I like lose. He deserved that. And I, I was so, it, was, I, I, it was like maybe an hour into it, maybe half, whatever. So I turned around, I was watching it last night. With Sue, I just I love the music. I love the story. I love it. Can't get enough of it. But every time I, and I got I got mad again last night because it had been a while since so I watched it. Eddie Murphy deserved the Academy Award. So you already knew he was talented. Oh yeah. Have you ever seen Dreamgirls? Watch no. Dreamgirls. Okay. Eddie Eddie Murphy. That was kind of his comeback. I mean, I guess yes. he'd, he'd done the funny, but he, you know, he, nutty he, professor he sings, whatnot, he dances, but, but he also plays like you know, it's, it's, it's like his first serious. At role a certain back point, a long time, it gets to where he's he's kind of over the hill and he's trying to to get another hit record, and he goes in one direction, and the Jamie Foxx character said, "No, you, you know, we'll, we'll find something for you." And it was going to be his his hit that's going to bring him back, and he didn't. And it's it's sad, and he's you know, yeah, he's addicted to the heroin and just it, it, it. But he was great. Yeah, that's so. tough. That's a tough character to play. But then when he gets up on stage and he's in, it's like, damn, he could have been a, he just could have been an entertainer that way, not oh, even a comedian. He could have been anything. He's a, he doesn't get enough credit for he could do everything. 
That's right. One of the greatest stand-up comedians of all time. You look at the list of blockbusters when his, on his run that he made, and then he didn't. Give, he should have won an Academy Award. And why something that happened years ago still infuriates me? That's that was two thousand six when that came out. Damn. But I'm telling you, you 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 would love. I can't believe you ever watched. You would love that. I think you would. Yeah. No, oh, that still pisses me off. Alan Arkin won for Little Miss Sunshine. Should have been Eddie Murphy for Dreamgirls. I like Alan Arkin a lot. I thought Little Miss Sunshine was okay. That performance, though, yeah. when he was on screen, it was electric. I remember watching that in the movies, like, damn. Eddie Murphy could do it all. He's, he's, he's incredible. Alan Arkin's best performance for my money was as the shrink in the movie Gross Point Blank. How much money? I don't have much. Well, said your money. I spend it on frivolous things. Great. Like daycare. That was the year of the departed, those Academy Awards. Ah. That's fine. Well, one of your long air, air, you know, flights when you're yeah. doing nothing, watch the damn movie and get back to me. You'd like it. You don't, okay. you don't believe me. You, you like Eddie Murphy? Then watch it. I like Jake him in uh, My Name is Dolomite. Well, that, you know, he wasn't nominated for that. We'll take Should a break. Back after this on WHB.